now to get into today's topic. <laughs> Something I've been thinking long and hard about since I pretty much turned 18 was the fact that one day there's going to be somebody in this world that's going to call me mommy. <laughs> and they're going to be tiny and they're going to run around and they're going to pretty much be a reflection of exactly what I am. And in the process of thinking of that, it led to a whole bunch of sub-thoughts, which caused me to evaluate who I am as a person and who I want to become and who I want to be as a parent. <laughs> now, looking at the grand scheme of things, those are things that I have a lot of time to work on considering that I'm not exactly in any relationship, nor do I engage in sex sexual activity, so no surprise babies. But it's still important to me because that's something, that's one of the patriarchal systems that I, I desire to take part in. Parenting is such a beautiful thing, but just in growing up and seeing how hard my parents had it, it makes you reevaluate whether you even want to have kids, and if you do want to have kids, how do you want to have them, and how do you want to raise them? Because I know if my parents could choose better, they probably wouldn't have raised us how they did. But I'm grateful. I'm alive. I'm well taken care of. So I have nothing to complain about in the grand scheme of things. When it comes down to the little details, there's a lot to talk about, especially as we take in how our parents are actually impactful to our growth and development not only physically, but emotionally and mentally. Because if you look at it, our parents are our first interactions with people, so our first human socializations. And the way that we interact with our parents and our siblings are gonna set a precedent to how we're gonna interact with the outside world. And a lot of the time, if the input isn't great, the output isn't going to be great either. And if the input is good, like any other function, the output's going to be good. And particularly some of the flaws that I, I was looking at in myself were how I react to certain things. I'm not really good with conflict. I think everybody in my family can speak on that. <laughs> it's either I'll close myself off and not want to talk about it at all, or I'll bend exactly to whatever expectation is set for me, and I'll resent the person because of it. And then the next is that I will react badly right off the bat and then keep it and be resentful about it and... <laughs> None of them are exactly how I want to react because I know where those behaviors came from and I know it was one of those things where I watched somebody do it and then I ended up doing it myself even though I'm actively trying not to engage in those same dangerous behaviors that can ruin relationships pretty much. So actively, I am trying to <laughs> pick up the signs and be intentional about dealing, con dealing with conflict by engaging where my energy can stretch far enough in order to sustain a healthy and 
non-problematic conversation surrounding whatever conflict that might be occurring in my life. I feel like last episode I tried to touch on this topic on how I deal with conflict resolution and I knew I was maturing when I blocked the person instead of engaging in conversation. But when it comes into like face-to-face interactions, it's so hard to just try to block them out, especially if they're family and you have to deal with them every single day. And as that pertains to children, you can't necessarily just tune them out because you're their primary caregiver. (laughs) So I think about that a lot. And if my kid is going to be doing something that I find problematic, I'd rather approach it with calmness and be able to deal with it well and not resort to bending backwards in a negative way when I can just be providing for the need of my child as I see fit in a healthy way because there's a lot of the time you just want to react and I don't want to be the type of parent that just reacts to anything. And the secondary thing that I've noticed with myself when it comes to interacting with people, particularly children, is that I do believe that children deserve to have opinions and they deserve to share their opinions and to raise an opinionated child is a feat that not many people take on because of how difficult it is but it's very admirable when people do decide to take on that feat and foster the child's opinions into where they can contribute to bigger conversations in a way that they're not only understood, but they can respond intelligently to criticism. And it's it's not a very widespread thing. Little kids with big opinions tend to be on the rare side because they're not engaging in large conversations like racism and um, patriarchy. <laughs> I like that word. It's, it's fun when it rolls off the tongue. But when they do engage in such conversations and when they learn to engage in certain conversations, I think it's super important that we raise kids to be opinionated but to know that their opinion isn't always going to be top priority in all spaces that they decide to interject their opinions into, particularly when it comes to more serious topics like having discussions on race and culture. I feel like kids should only be able to interject on things that they know and they have experienced according to who they are racially and culturally, um, gender-wise, life-walk-wise, these are things that we should be able to, we should be teaching children to stay in their own lane because once we let them have big opinions and be misguided on whether or not those opinions matter in those spaces, we can either raise social pariahs where nobody actually wants to listen to what the child has to say because they say anything and everything about anything and everything. Or we can teach them to be mindful of where they are and who's leading the conversation 
and who should be leading the conversation. And once we teach them these things, they can grow up and become productive adults and contribute to conversations that are relevant to them and they can learn to have opinions on the more important things of life without overstepping the boundaries of speaking in spaces that they don't belong in. <laughs> that was a lot to say. <laughs> and I do realize now that um, I get older that as much as there are a whole bunch of flaws that I desire to fix before I raise children, there's some things that I want to preserve in myself before I raise children. One of those things is patience. A lot of people tell me I'm impatient, but I'm impatient with the things that don't need to take long. I can, I can see the value of things that are a little bit more drawn out, especially when it comes to human processes and the things that we need to go through as humans in life. And I'm pretty patient when it comes to that. Not even going to lie. Not even going to um, <laughs> boost my own self. But I'm good at that. If you want time, I'll give you all the time in the world. And then I make sure that you are hitting the goals and the procedures that you want to hit before you get to the place that you want to be. Because I think that kind of accountability always leads to progression. So that's something I always like admired in other people. So I've been really intentional about working on it. And patience is one of those things that I just think I have down pat most of the time. The second thing I think I want to preserve in myself is the passion for children. I love them so much. I love playing with kids. Whenever I see kids at work, I just want to like give them all the donuts and have their parents yell at me because they're on a sugar high. But then at the same time, I can see their futures being so bright and having the potential to be a million different things because you are literally fresh out your mother's womb and even though God might have a plan for them, there's something that is a lot, there's a lot of wiggle room to become. When you look at kids and just see a whole bunch of potential, it's, it's an inspiring thing and it makes you wanna be a role model and look, be something and make something of yourself that they can look up to, which is, I see kids as motivation, if you haven't caught on to that yet. <laughs> and the final thing so far that I think I want to preserve in myself now that I'm getting older is, I take a lot of mental health days. I don't know if anybody else knows that. And now that I've started working full time, I haven't been taking as many because I can't afford to take as many. <laughs> but the mental health days that I do have, I try not to think at all. And I try to make those my workout days. And just that self-prioritization and good self-care that's going on right now, I want to be preserved in the long run, especially when kids are involved in my life. Because kids learn 
how to take care of themselves based off of how their parents take care of them and how the, the parents take care of themselves, right? So if I'm feeling 100% because I'm taking care of what I need, I can give my child 100% because I have enough to give to them. And then if they're going to give themselves 100%, if I'm going to give them 100%, they're going to learn that they're gonna, they need to give themselves 100%.